KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, January 18th. Anti-vaxxers threaten state lawmakers over the coronavirus vaccine. That story next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County public health officials reported more than 1,800 new coronavirus cases on Sunday and 38 additional deaths. California nears 3 million coronavirus cases. More than 1,100 people died from the virus in California this weekend. In a statement this morning, San Diego Unified School District Superintendent Cindy Martin says she's been tapped by the incoming Biden administration to be the next United States Deputy Secretary of Education. Pending confirmation in the Senate, she would serve under Secretary-designate Miguel Cardona. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day in honor of the civil rights leader's birthday on January 15th. On Friday, community members honored King's life and legacy with a wreath laying at San Diego's Broadway Promenade. Reverend Harvey Vaughn III addressed the gathering. We need dreamers that can look beyond the pigmentation of someone's skin. We need dreamers who can dream like Dr. King and when we see one another, judge a person by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Portions of the California state capitol were closed to the public last week after members of the anti-vaccine movement threatened state lawmakers. At a public legislative hearing on Thursday, three unidentified women made not-so-veiled suggestions that they would use violence. They were protesting coronavirus vaccine plans and pandemic shutdowns. Here's one of the women. So keep threatening us. Keep taking our away. Keep telling us we can't do anything about it and see how much longer we're going to just sit here and wait to give public comment. We didn't buy guns for nothing. State Senator Richard Pan was singled out by the women. The Sacramento Democrat has been a frequent target of the so-called anti-vaxxers, and CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reached him last week to react to the threats. She started by asking him about the women's statements. We have a group of people who because they can't win elections, because they don't believe in facts and science, are essentially resorting to violence to try to get their way. And that's unacceptable. I wanted to talk to you about this because you have been harassed and targeted. You were assaulted a little over a year ago by an anti-vaccine activist. What are the next steps to addressing threatening language like this? What would you like to see as someone who has been on the receiving end of physical attacks before? Well, first of all, perhaps they should be taken into custody to be sure they don't harm anyone. And then, of course, investigated. And there has to be a consequence. 
people have to realize there's a consequence. But at the same time, we also need to be sure we do something to stop the spread of uh, these lies, right? We shouldn't be um, platforming or amplifying lies when people uh, are pushing out conspiracy theories that incite violence. We need much swifter action so that they don't spread. And uh, we have seen this happen. This is not something that just spontaneously happened. This is something that's been built up over you know, years. Sure. On the one hand, you have, it seems like these threats and all of these things have been escalating, obviously, into what happened at the U.S. Capitol last week. On the other hand, you do have social media companies seeming to crack down and ban people for these types of things, finally. Just want to get your thoughts on those two things happening in tandem. I appreciate that many of the social media companies have started to realize that what happens online leads to real life incidents. I think they need to do even more to address bullying and harassment on social media, as well as threats and conspiracy theories, because they are creating real world damage to our democracy and our society. And they are also leading to real world threats and even death in actual people. And they need to take responsibility for that and act immediately. What is security like at the state capitol right now? I know the governor has activated the National Guard, a thousand troops ahead of protests planned there this weekend. What's the law enforcement presence like right now? And do you feel safe going into the state capitol? No, I, I think the capitol itself is safe, right? Uh, there, there is, uh, we've, we have strong security in the capitol. I think the question we have to ask ourselves is that um, when it comes to speech, we want to allow people to express whatever opinions they want to express. But when they actually engage in actual threats, we have to take them seriously, right? You should be able to express your opinion, explain why, but the threats to people's lives, that should not be considered acceptable. That was State Senator Richard Pan speaking with Cap Radio Politics reporter Nicole Nixon, talking about Thursday's threats during a legislative hearing at the state capitol. As San Diego County senior care facilities scramble to get COVID-19 vaccines to their residents and staff, they're finding that roughly half of their caregivers are refusing the shots. KPBS's Amitha Sharma reports. Caregivers turning down coronavirus shots at senior care communities is yet another layer of the public health threat posed by the pandemic. Carl Steinberg, president-elect for the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine, says their reasons for refusal run the gamut, including worry about long-term side effects. Some people say, I don't want to be a guinea pig. Other people think they might be able to catch COVID from it. Uh, some people have those really wild theories about microchips. Meanwhile, Steinberg says about 90% of residents are taking the vaccine. Health officials plan to combat the vaccine skepticism among caregivers by stepping up information campaigns. So there'll be outreach to communities of color, uh, the Latinx population, and we're hoping to get some peer counseling and perhaps some help from the faith community. Some facilities are even offering $50 to $150 bonuses as an incentive for caregivers to take the shot. 
Those who make their living caring for elderly people have never had it easy, often doing backbreaking work for little pay. Then the pandemic hit. A caregiver at a local assisted facility spoke with KPBS's Amitha Sharma. In this monologue, she tells us about the emotional toll it's taken on her. My name is Leah Farinas. I think being a caregiver is not a job, you know, it's a calling because you should have the heart and the passion to do the job. Well, we're dealing with residents who have some memory issues and they tend to be repetitive. But now that there's COVID, it's very challenging and it's very scary because you might never know when you are going to get the virus. I am married. I have uh, one child. He's four years old. So that also adds to my stress and anxiety because I also have my mother-in-law at home. Sometimes you just say to yourself, what if I don't go to work? you know, and be safer at home. But then you have to do your job. I just take a deep breath before I go to work and pray and hope that we are safe, the residents are safe. This pandemic has brought havoc, you know, to everyone's life. It has brought so much loneliness, pain and suffering to every resident. Sometimes when I go in to a resident's room, they will just cry, simply cry. And they will just say, I miss my family so much. I just give them hope that someday, you know, virus, the pandemic, Everything will be over. I'm glad that a vaccine is coming. I hope it works. Coming up, Air Force leaders have made adjustments to basic training in order to keep troops safe from COVID-19. Some of those cutbacks include marching, hand-to-hand combat, casualty care, and survival skills. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. The coronavirus pandemic has led Air Force leaders to scale back basic training. They've removed elements like hand-to-hand combat and shortened field training to keep troops safe. But some military training instructors are concerned that recruits are losing out. From San Antonio, Carson Frame reports for the American Homefront Project. Some elements of basic military training at Lackland Air Force Base are the same as they've always been. Think pre-dawn workouts, obstacle courses, silent meals in the chow hall, and screaming instructors. But as the pandemic tightened its hold on the country, the Air Force made adjustments. Basic training was shortened by a week, and things like marching, hand-to-hand combat, casualty care, and survival skills were cut back. Tech Sergeant Alexandra Springman is a military training instructor. So we always say flexibility is the key to air power, and and that's really been a true statement. Um, We have definitely had to adjust. Trainees normally do chemical and biological weapons training, where they expose themselves to tear gas and practice putting on protective equipment. But now that's off limits because the gas masks can't be properly cleaned between uses. 
And because of social distancing, trainees have to use dummies to practice applying tourniquets and bandages, something they used to do with one another. That does not provide even close to that real-world application. So while it's pretty easy to apply a tourniquet on a dummy, you can't, you can't know if you're actually putting the tourniquet on tight enough and cutting off that circulation, cutting off that blood supply. Though Springman and other military training instructors understand the need to keep airmen safe, they still wish they could teach them more. We do feel uh, kind of robbed in the sense of we're not being able to complete all those additional training objectives that, that enhance training because sometimes those are the things that the trainees remember. But with new health and safety guidelines coming down all the time, both trainees and instructors have had to roll with the punches. Would-be linguist Zachary Maples finished basic military training in November. With all of these things, you just got to go in with the attitude of, I'm, I'm not here to know exactly what's going to be happening. I'm here to be trained. And just having that mindset kind of, it kind of kept the stress of change kind of to a minimum. Air Force leaders say the upheaval in basic training won't affect readiness. Colonel Rocky Wilson commands the 37th Training Wing at Lackland. He says basic training is supposed to work as an orientation to the military, not a final lesson. He says there will be more opportunities down the road, like during an airman's vocational training or before a combat deployment. They get all that when they get back, when they get to their home station anyway, especially if they're going to deploy into a contingency. But critics argue that curtailing basic training is a problem. Mark Kansian is a senior advisor with the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a bipartisan think tank in Washington, D.C. He says traditional military skills help teach airmen about hardship and teamwork and what it really means to be in the Air Force. Without enough of that, they might not be mentally prepared for what's next. The kinds of things that they've had to cut out, you know, these are the military skills, the warrior skills that let people know that they are now in a very different kind of environment. And it makes it a little harder for someone arriving at a unit to accept the sacrifices that might be entailed in service in the field. He adds that it's difficult for advanced training and operational units to get airmen caught up on basic skills, especially since there are already so many other demands on their time. Back at Lackland, Colonel Rocky Wilson says they're taking the opportunity to teach recruits more about the Air Force's history and values. And the pandemic has been a valuable lesson in and of itself. This has been a wonderful readiness training, and it's not an exercise, it's real. And so if we can beat COVID, um, then we can beat any competitor around the world, we know that. But he says his top priority is controlling infections and protecting trainees, even at the expense of some traditional skills. That was Carson Frame reporting from San Antonio. This story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.